The Productive Woman, Episode 252. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the tools, routines, and systems I use to get work done. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 252. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp and by University of California, Irvine. If your goals for this year include advancing in your career or simply taking a course or two for personal enrichment, check out our returning sponsor, University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. Fall quarter is coming up and registration is open. Visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter tpw for 15% off one course. I'll share a little bit more about that later on in the the episode. But right now I want to talk about our other sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, we can all use a little help sometimes. And while coaching can make a huge difference for many of us, sometimes we need a more specialized type of help. BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. It's not a crisis line, but a professional counseling service that lets you connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's incredibly convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Anything you say is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. They offer licensed professional counselors in all 50 states of the United States, and they're available worldwide. Counselors who specialize in depression, in stress, in anxiety, relationships, sleeping, and so much more. It's secure, it's convenient, and it's professional. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option because the Productive Woman listeners can get 10% off your first month by using the discount code TPW. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash TPW. You'll simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor suited to your specific preferences. That's betterhelp.com slash TPW. All right, so let's get right into our topic for this week. You know, like you, I wear more than one hat. I have a full-time law practice. I have a podcast, obviously. I do coaching with clients. I have a family and I have personal interests. And trying to manage all of that can be a challenge for any of us. I love hearing from other people how they get their work done, whether it's you know a job job or their work at home or any of those sorts of things. It's always helpful to me to hear how other people are doing that. So I thought for this episode, maybe I would return the favor to those who've helped me out and share some of the tools, systems, and routines that I use to get my work done. I I do want to say right up front, I acknowledge that I don't have all the answers, and there are still certain things that I struggle with 
like managing email. I am currently looking for a better system for that. But still, it's helpful, I think, to hear some of the things that other people use to do the kind of work that they do. So I'll talk about uh, both my law practice and the productive woman, the kind of work I do for each, and what tools and systems and routines I'm using to do that. As a backdrop for all of that, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that a couple years ago, I changed my law practice to a different firm and changed my office to my home. So for a couple of years, I have been working from home instead of commuting into an office. I talked about some of that in episode 154 about working from home. I really like working from home for a lot of reasons and still enjoy working from home. But because of where we live, we're out in the country in North Texas, I have a real problem getting reliable internet that is fast enough for the things I need to do. And it was an ongoing pain in the neck, so to speak. And so early this spring, for a number of reasons, I decided to look for office space in the small town near where we live. We live out in the country about 10 minutes from downtown Greenville, Texas. And I had thought about it before because I thought if I move into town, if I get an office in town, I'll have better internet. We actually have thought about moving house to in town just for that reason. But anyway, this spring I started looking around to see, is this even feasible? Is it even something I could do or is it going to be too costly? Well, it turned out at least here in this town to be much more affordable than I expected. And I was able to find an office in an, an historic building downtown here in Greenville, 10 minutes away from home where I'm able to get high speed fiber optic internet, among other great services. I And so it's just, like I said, 10 minutes from my house, very quick and easy to get here. And I miss working from home. I miss having the ability to, you know, toss a little laundry into the washer or get dinner started early or just, you know, sit out in my back porch for a break. But having fast, reliable internet has made such a huge difference in my productivity during work hours. It's made so many of the things that I do much easier that for me, it it was the right choice to uh, lease this office space Uh, close to home, but where I could get good internet. So that's all kind of a backdrop for what I'm doing and how I'm working these days. I'd love to hear your story, how, how and where you work. Um, Do you work from home? So why, what works about that for you and what doesn't, if you go to an office, what are the struggles and challenges? I think this is something we'll be talking about in upcoming episodes. And I'd love to hear from you as always. You can email me at feedback at the productive woman.com to tell me, you know, how you get your work done. So all that being said, I want to, as I said, talk about some of the tools, the systems, the routines that I use to get my work done. And first of all, I thought I'd share what I'm referring to as universal systems or approaches, things that I do uh, for all the kinds of work that I do, whether it's for my law practice, for the productive woman, even for taking care of my home and some of the other things that I do. These are kind of universal approaches, many of which we've talked about on the podcast, but I put them into effect to get my stuff done here um, 
at home and in the office. And the first one that came to mind, and these are in no particular order other than just their, you know, the order that they came to my mind. Uh, the first one is batching, which uh, I define as doing similar tasks together. I really try to do that. There are certain things that I do that are very similar that if I can batch them, I get some efficiency because I'm only setting up or cleaning up afterwards only one time rather than multiple times. An example is, you know, recording podcast episodes, for instance, but running errands is another one. Uh, any, any kind of task that I do similar kinds of things, if I can batch them, do them all together and then move on, uh, that's a huge plus for me. I save a lot of time that way. Another system or approach that I try to use is block scheduling, and that's kind of tied to the batching thing. But block scheduling, as I use it, is allocating, you know, chunks of time to specific tasks or types of tasks. So if I'm going to be, again, running errands, I will block out time on my calendar to do a bunch of errands all at once to save running back and forth. Or if I'm going to be working on outlining uh, podcast episodes, I will try to block out a chunk of time on certain days to work on several of them at once. Uh, any any kind of similar tasks, again, it, batching and block scheduling to me kind of go together, but it's 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 actually putting it onto the calendar and chunking up the time that's allocated for that specific thing. Another system or approach or philosophy, however you want to look at it, that is really important to me and something I'm continually trying to get better at is single tasking. That's focusing on one thing at a time instead of trying to do multiple things at the same time. We all hear about multitasking. We're going to talk about that some more maybe in next week's episode, but it's something you know, the mythology is that women are better at multitasking than men and that we are always multitasking, always doing multiple things at once. Well, as we've talked about this in past episodes, there is a kind of multitasking that is doing something that requires very little focus or attention, some kind of mindless task while you're doing something else that does require attention. So maybe folding clothes while you're listening to a podcast or different things like that. That that kind of multitasking is fine and it works to, to some extent. But the kind of multitasking that I am trying not to do that I think we have a problem with is when we're trying to do two things that actually require attention and focus at the same time, and they're both going to suffer. Uh, we've talked about this many times, and I was reading another article. This is from Forbes magazine. Quoting here, it says, research conducted at Stanford University found that multitasking is less productive than doing a single thing at a time. The researchers also found that people who are regularly bombarded with several streams of electronic information cannot pay attention, recall information, or switch from one job to another, as well as those who complete one task at a time. 
The article goes on later to say, multitasking reduces your efficiency and performance because your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. When you try to do two things at once, your brain lacks the capacity to perform both tasks successfully. And I'll put a link to this article because there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not true. I'm good at multitasking. I do it all the time. It's how I get my stuff done. Well, this same study this at Stanford University took a look at people who feel like they're good at multitasking, compared those to you know, people that don't multitask as much. This research has found that heavy multitaskers, that is those who multitask a lot and feel that it boosts their performance, were actually worse at multitasking than those who like to do a single thing at a time. The frequent multitaskers performed worse because they had more trouble organizing their thoughts and filtering out irrelevant information, and they were slower at switching from one task to another. So the more you try to multitask, the more negative effects you get from it. And as I said, we've talked about this more than once in prior episodes. Uh, You might check out episode 111, uh, where we talked about time thieves, and one of those was multitasking. There's another article that I read uh, that was really good called 12 Reasons to Stop Multitasking Now. And this was on the health.com website. I, because that's not really the focus of this episode, I'll just mention it and tell you that there'll be a link to that article in the show notes. And it was very good, very much worth, worth looking at. So all that to say, one of the systems I try to put into place for myself or a discipline that I put into place for myself across the board when trying to get work done is single tasking and trying to avoid multitasking. A fourth system or technique or approach that I try to use across the board is a daily review. I try to spend a few minutes near the end of the day, whether it's my work day for my law practice or just the end of the day period to kind of do a quick review of the day and kind of see where I am and give some thought to what's going to happen the next day. And this doesn't take me more than five minutes, maybe 10 on a busy day. And basically during that time, I take a minute to double check my task list for the day to make sure I've done what I needed to. If there's anything that didn't get done, I take a minute right then to reschedule it. Or if I decide it's no longer valid, not no longer something I need to do to check it and you know check it off my list. And after I've done that, then I look at the next day and think about, is there anything I could do now to in just a few minutes to prepare for what I have to do tomorrow? So for instance, if I'm working on a contract for a client and it's something I've scheduled to draft the next day and I realize there's a piece of information that I need from the client in order to draft this contract, then I'll take a a second right then to send the client an email or make a quick phone call to make sure I'm getting that information from them so I have it when I come into work the next day and can hit the ground running and get started. I'm not held up because I'm waiting for a piece of information that somebody else has. And and same same idea, make sure I have all the materials in hand that I need. If there's a project I'm going to be working on, do I have everything that I need in order to do that? So that's my, that daily review is a really key part of me getting my work done. And like I said, it only takes a few minutes at the end of the day just to make sure 
I, I know what's got to happen the next day and I'm ready to go. And then I can, you know, rest easy that night knowing I've thought about it. I'm prepared. So those are some of the universal systems or approaches that I use to get my work done. Some of the universal tools, and there are a number of them, but uh, some that kind of jumped forward for me that I thought about as I was putting this outline together and thought about, all right, what are the things, the tools that I use that I really are important to me for getting my work done, whether it's as a lawyer, as a podcaster, as a coach, whatever. And so some of those that came to mind, one of them is uh, an app called encrypt.me. This is a VPN uh, that I use as a security measure when I'm on unfamiliar or a public Wi-Fi network. And this is a service that it basically creates a wall between you and anybody on that public Wi-Fi network that might be interested in what you've got going on on your computer. And so I have Encrypt.me enabled on all my devices, my laptop, my iPhone, my iPads, and everything. So it doesn't kick in unless I get off my familiar networks. So if I'm at an airport, uh, Encrypt.me will kick in automatically if I hook up to the airport public Wi-Fi, any place like that. And it provides security for me against hackers or people that are out there using uh, the tools that are available to them to try to snoop on my computer, on my devices. We've talked about this before, um, and I'll try to remember to put some links to some articles about why something like this is important, what the risk is if you don't have something like that. But as a lawyer, it certainly is incredibly important to me because I have obligations to my clients to maintain the confidentiality of their information that is on my devices. And so Encrypt.me is uh, one of the tools that I use to do that. There are other VPNs as well, but that's the one that I use. Another one that's really crucial for me that's uh, used for all my work for in order for me to be able to get my work done is Backblaze. This is a cloud backup service. And I've talked about this before as well, but it is running all the time on my computers and backing up my important files so that if my laptop were stolen or my computer broke or any of that, I've still got all my data, all my information, all my documents, because they're all backed up to the cloud. Uh, There are, again, other cloud backup services. I don't care which one you use, but if, if your work of any kind involves computer files and you don't have a cloud backup service, Uh, Let me encourage you to pause this podcast right now and go sign up for Backblaze or some other one. And again, I'm not, this episode isn't sponsored by any of these devices. And I don't think Backblaze has ever been a sponsor. I just really feel it's important. If you're a writer, if you're a lawyer, if you're, any of your work involves files on a computer, you need to have a good, solid cloud backup service in place. And I couldn't function without it. A third one, a tool that I use constantly, and I've talked about this, this one has been a sponsor. They're not sponsoring this episode, but I've been using this service since long before they ever sponsored the podcast, and that's Text Expander. It saves me a ton of time over repeatedly typing or cutting and pasting the same text. I've talked about it when I've done the ad spots. I won't say anything more because, you know, this isn't an ad. This is just seriously, y'all. 
It's a great tool. Check it out. Uh, Links for all of these will be in the show notes if you want to check them out. Fourth one is Dropbox. This is a, a cloud service, a file management service. It is not a backup service. I want to make sure you understand that Dropbox is a great tool. It, it allows you to store files in the cloud and access them from any of your devices, from any computer that you can log in on. Uh, it's a great tool and I keep all my files in there, but it is not a backup service because in Dropbox is simply a file management place. And if you delete um, a document from your computer while you're hooked up to the internet, it'll delete it from your Dropbox folder as well. So it's not, don't rely on Dropbox as a backup, but it is a great tool for syncing, uh, for making files available on your phone, on your computer, wherever you are. It's also a great tool for sharing files with colleagues. So Sarah, my assistant and I have a shared Dropbox folder where uh, we keep materials, you know, the audio files for the episodes, the show notes that she's helping with various things like that. uh, And we share them so we can both get access to them. But understanding again, it's not a backup. If she deletes it, it's gone from it as soon as our computers sync with the cloud, it'll be gone from my folder, the folder on my computer as well. So you got to be careful with Dropbox, but it's a great tool. And then a fifth tool that's become really important to me in all my business, all, all my work stuff is it's kind of a silly thing maybe, but it's an Excel spreadsheet that my husband set up for me for tracking expenses and income. It makes tax time easier and it's shared with him because he handles our finances and coordinates with our accountant at tax time to get our taxes done. I don't love Excel. I'm not a Microsoft office kind of person. I use it. I use word all the time. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not a numbers person and Excel just baffles me, but Mike has set up this spreadsheet in a way that I can just, you know, insert numbers as I spend money and I get a receipt, I'll put the numbers in there and he's got it all set up to calculate things so that when it comes time to give information to our accountant, to do our taxes, it's all there. So that's a really important tool, something worth considering if, you know, if you have business finances that you need to manage. So those are some of the universal tools. They'll get mentioned again. They've been mentioned in previous episodes, uh, but those are things that I use regardless of the kind of work I'm doing. So, so now let's spend a little bit of time talking about how I get my legal work done. And even if you're not a lawyer, I think some of these tools and approaches might help you with your work, depending on the kind of work you do. And so for it to be uh, useful to you to understand you know, how the tools might be useful. Uh, I I thought I'd share, you know, what does my work involve? I'm a transactional lawyer. I don't go to court very often. And I help my clients do real estate transactions and they're big commercial real estate transactions, buying and selling shopping centers and office buildings or, uh, you know, leasing space in in a building, that sort of thing. So it's all transactions type work. My work then involves a number of kinds of things. I spend a lot of time drafting documents, contracts, memos, letters, things like that. 
I spend a lot of time reviewing and commenting on documents that have been written by other people. So, you know, they'll send me a draft and I'll review it and give my comments back to them. I have a ton of email. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails a week, sometimes in a day if I've got closings going on. I have a lot of phone calls. I have a lot of documents that have to be managed because we have obligations to our clients both to protect the confidentiality of their information, but also to preserve the documentation. So, you know, any a single contract may go through multiple drafts between me and the lawyer on the other side and comments from our clients and that sort of thing. And then there are the final signed versions that have to be managed. And then a lot of my work, most of my work involves in one way or another collaborating with other people, whether it's attorneys and paralegals in my firm's offices around the country or collaborating with clients and that sort of thing. So those are the kinds of things that I spend my time on when I'm working on my law practice. So what are the tools that help me get those things done? Briefly, and I'll, I'll share just kind of briefly what the equipment is, the gear that I use. And uh, actually, a lot of this applies also to um, what I use for the productive woman. So most of the time when I'm working on my law practice stuff, I'm working on a 27-inch iMac with a 5K display. So it's a big screen, so I can have multiple documents on the screen in front of me at a time. And a really good screen is a great computer. I'm a Mac geek. You guys know that if you've been listening for very long. I also have a MacBook Pro, a small 13-inch one that when I have to travel, that goes with me. But most of my work gets done on this big iMac. I have a printer in my office, uh, you know, my separate office and in my office at home. It's an HP colored LaserJet Pro uh, I'll put the link to the specific model it is. I love it. It's uh, very fast, does really great printing, uh, and I can have color copies if I need them. It also does copying and scanning, but I have a separate scanner that I'll talk about in just a minute. So I love my printer. It's a kind of overkill for people that don't have a lot of documents to do, but for me, this is a great one. Uh, the scanner that I use is a Fujitsu ScanSnap, the iX1500. I love it. It's wireless. It sits on the top of my printer cabinet at my office, and I can put documents in, and it wirelessly scans them to my computer, and I can do whatever I want to. It does double-sided printing. I've never had it jam. It's a great scanner, and it really helps me get a lot of things done. I use it constantly. I have an iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch, not the most recent version. I think it might be the first version of the iPad Pro that came out. Uh, and then the first generation of Apple Pencil that I use to review and mark up documents. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but those are kind of the main tools that I use for getting my legal work done. A couple little pieces of equipment that are helpful to me. I have an electric tea kettle that I keep in my office that boils water very quickly. And I drink a lot of tea. I'll try to put a link to the tea, electric tea kettle that I use, uh, put a link in the show notes. And then I have an Amazon Echo Plus here in the office. I have one in my home office as well that I use, uh, you know, it's related to work. I play music to work by, usually instrumental music. 
I use it to check the weather, to set timers for my tea and various things like that. So it's a part of my workflow. And those are the main pieces of equipment that I use to get my legal work done. Then there's software that I use. There, there are kind of two categories. The firm provides certain software that we use that we need uh, that is important to getting our work done. Um, they provide the Microsoft Office 365 subscription. So most of our documents are done in Word. I don't love Word, but it's kind of the industry standard. It's what most of our clients use. And so most of our contracts and those sorts of things are done in Word. We also use Outlook to manage our email. Again, not my favorite email uh, tool, but it's what we use for the firm and things you can do to make it a little more functional. And maybe one of these days we can talk about some of those things. Another piece of software that uh, the firm provides that we use daily many, many times is called NetDocs. And this is a document management system that securely stores all of our documents in the cloud and makes them available to all the attorneys and paralegals in the firm, no matter where their offices are. And so it's a, you know, this is a kind of enterprise level or business level version of something Similar to what Dropbox will do, but this is meant for business and it's meant to be secure. Nobody can get into it uh, who doesn't have the the right equipment and the right authorizations. And this is how we manage documents for collaboration and just for storage. And it's where, where documents live. And finally, as part of the software that the firm has provided, uh, we have Skype for business. We use that mostly, at least I use it f- mostly for internal messaging. So obviously we can't, we have email, but the firm that I am with, uh, we have lawyers all over the country and we're not necessarily in the same office with each other. And so this is Skype for business has an instant messaging component. And we use that a lot for quick messages to get information from people. And so those that's some of the key software that we use. Those are the things that are provided by the firm. Other software that I've provided, I've already mentioned some of it, Dropbox, I use for uh, kind of interim work in terms of syncing devices or files across my devices, uh, text expander, which I've already talked about. And then I use Todoist to manage my kind of daily to-do list for my law practice. For me, and we'll talk later about what I use for the productive woman and for my personal to-dos, I there I've gone back and forth on the issue of task managers and we've talked about it a lot on on different episodes of the show. I, you know, maybe it seems like it would be ideal to have everything in one place, but for me it works best to have a separate task management system for my law practice because when I'm working on my legal stuff, I don't want to see non-work stuff showing up when I look at my task manager. I don't want to be distracted by a reminder that, oh, yeah, I've got this personal thing that I need to get done today or any of that sort of thing. And on the by the same token, when I'm not at work, when I'm not working on my legal stuff, I don't want to see the long list of documents that need to be drafted or calls I need to make for you know, to clients or to lawyers on the other side of a deal. I don't want to see all that stuff when I look in my personal task manager. I need some separation. 
those of you who are lawyers know that the practice of law can take over your life. And I think a lot of professions can do that. For me, I need a separation uh, between the tasks that I'm doing for my legal work and the tasks that I'm doing for personally or for, for the productive woman. And I can access all of them wherever I am because I have to do on my phone and on my iPad and on my computer. So if I want to check what's coming up tomorrow, you know, say I'm at home on a Sunday night and I want to double check what do I have that I have scheduled to get done, you know, Monday morning, for my law practice, I can look into Doist and see what I have there. So it's not like I don't have access to it. But it, it for me, it's about sort of intentionally separating my law practice from the other aspects of my life. And to Doist helps me do that. I like the clean interface and I like the way it lets me kind of move things around and order them in the order that I want to accomplish them. So those are some other pieces of software, some other tools that are very important to me for getting my legal work done. What about routines that help me get uh, my legal work done? There are lots of them, but the, the kind of key ones that I guess I would talk about is I try to protect my mornings for work that requires concentration and focus. I am more focused, more able to pay attention in the mornings than I am later on in the day. I have more energy in the morning when I start work than I do later in the day. So for me, it works best to try to protect that morning time for the work that requires me to concentrate, pay attention and think deeply. So if it's within my power to do so, I'm going to save calls and so on for the afternoons when I have less energy and less focus. It's disrupting to me to have to interrupt my morning focus time to take a call. You know, I do it. I because I don't, I can't always control that. Sometimes there's a call that has to take place because there's something urgent or it's just scheduled by people that I can't control. But when it's in my power to do it, I, I try to schedule those sorts of things in the afternoons and protect that time in the morning and try not to schedule meetings during that time. So that's my time for drafting complicated contracts for whatever kind of work that requires that energy and that concentration one of the nice things is we can, to some extent, all of us control our schedules. And so for me, when people are trying to schedule calls and they ask, when are you available? I will offer available times in the afternoon to try to protect my morning time. If other people on the call can't do it any time but the morning, then I have to be flexible. But I would encourage you to think about that as well. Think about what is your most productive work time as as far as getting the the work that requires that deep thought and try to protect that. So if somebody's trying to schedule a meeting and they're asking for availability rather than saying, "Oh, any time on Tuesday is fine with me," you can say, "How about, you know, Tuesday at 1:30 or Offer times that you're available that will protect your most productive time. So that's one thing that I do that helps me get my work done. Second thing I do is sort of a little bit different than getting the work done. And that is that I rely on my Apple Watch to remind me to stand up and move around at least a couple minutes out of each hour. My work is very sedentary. I could sit at my desk 
all day long and never move if I wasn't intentional about getting up and moving around. And there are lots of reasons why sitting all day is not healthy for us mentally, physically, or any other way. And so I rely on the feature in my Apple Watch that will kind of thump me to remind me to get up and move around. If I haven't stood in the last 50 minutes, it's going to give me a little gentle reminder so that I can remember to get up and just move around just for a minute or two. When I'm at the office, I'll maybe go out in the hall and walk the loop a couple times real quickly to just get my blood flowing again, get a different perspective, and then I can come back and get back to work. Uh, a dietitian that I spoke with recently talked, we were talking about this, you know, those of us that have office jobs where we're sitting for long periods of time, she suggested looking for opportunities to stand up, even walk in place, like during a conference call or something like that. Just develop that habit um, using the, the phone ringing as a trigger to stand up or something like that. So I try to find ways to remember to get up and move around because it helps me stay more focused, you know, kind of renew my energy and get back to work. Then I also have a shutdown routine that is very helpful to me in getting my work done. At the end of the day, I save a few minutes and it doesn't take a lot of time, maybe 15 minutes altogether toward the end of the day, uh, where I do certain things to end the day well and set myself up well for the next day. I enter my time. Uh, those of you who aren't lawyers might not know that we're, we're basically required to keep track of our time in six minute increments time that we spend, who who we're spending it on, what we're doing during that period of time, which client it's for. And we have to enter that into our time system on the computer. So I try to do that at the end of every day. Then I do my review that I mentioned earlier. I'll check my calendar and, and take a look at what does tomorrow look like? Are there calls that I need to prepare for? Is there a deadline coming up tomorrow for documents that I need to be sure to deliver to somebody else? Is there a closing tomorrow? What's happening? And once I've looked at that, I can look at my task list and make some adjustments for the next day, depending on how many calls or meetings I have. So I'll look at, you know, what did not get done today that needs to be tackled first thing tomorrow. And, and I make sure I kind of prioritize that. Uh, if I have no calls and meetings, then I will schedule a block of time the next day for a bigger project that I have to work on that requires fo undisturbed focus. On the other hand, if I have lots of calls or meetings or appointments, uh, I won't have a big chunk of time to work on big projects. So I'll look at my to-do list and think about, all right, what are some small tasks that I can knock out between calls or between meetings? Uh, if I have out-of-office appointments, I'll look at uh, what other errands I might need to run. Is there anything else I could take care of in the part of town I'm going to for that appointment? So I try to just take five, ten minutes to look ahead and think uh, what what is tomorrow going to look like? What can I realistically expect to accomplish? What has to get done and what could be done if there's time left in the day? And then usually I try to decide 
uh, once I've kind of done all that, of all those things on my list, what am I going to start with when I get to the office? What is going to be the first thing I work on when I sit down and boot up my computer? Uh, and that way I don't have to decide when I get in here. I, I've already decided and I can just come in and get right to work. And that's very helpful for me in getting work done. And then the last thing is I'll tidy my desk and file any papers that need to be put away. I might empty the trash, rinse out my tea mug, and, and just generally get things set up for the next day. So that shutdown routine is a really valuable part of getting my work done. Similarly, I have uh, checklists for various types of deals. And a lot of these have developed over the years on different teams I'm, I work on with different colleagues, other lawyers and paralegals, we have checklists for different types of deals, whether it's a purchase and sale, a loan, a leasing deal, checklists that will, will be prepared for each of those deals so that we make sure nothing gets overlooked uh, or missed. There's something we can check frequently, updated as things get done, annotate. They're all set up so they can be annotated. So we know what the status is. Those are stored in that NetDocs um, program that I mentioned earlier. So anybody working on the deal can see the checklist at any time and kind of know where we are. And I think that's something really valuable that you might consider for the work that you do. It may help you get some work done. Finally, sharing my calendar with colleagues that I work with regularly on deals. So I have a calendar and outlook like everybody else in the firm does, and you can share that with other people so they can check. And if they're wanting to set up a meeting, uh, they can check and see your availability if you're if you're not available to, to message or to talk to about it. This can be really useful, really helpful, but it's a another reason to consider block scheduling that I talked about before, where you actually make appointments with yourself to work on a big project that's going to take time and schedule that during a time when you have the f focus and the energy to do it. And it will show up on your calendar if your colleagues check as unavailable time. And so they won't try to, hopefully won't try to schedule a meeting during that time. I think the way you share schedules, they can't necessarily see what you're doing. They just can see that that time's spoken for. And that can be a really useful way to make sure you're able to get the right kind of work done when you need to get it done. So those are some of the tools and uh, approaches and routines that I use for getting work done as a lawyer. Some of those also apply in my other life as uh, the host of the Productive Woman podcast. So I thought I'd talk real quickly about what that work involves, some of the other tools that I use. So my work for the Productive Woman involves some similar kinds of tasks, but some very different kinds. Uh, it involves capturing and evaluating ideas for podcast episodes, for um, projects that I might want to do to serve the community, those sorts of things. It involves scheduling episodes uh, to make sure that I have a topic chosen for each week and I'm working on it and I've got it prepared to be recorded well in advance outlining the episode, recording it, communicating with my assistant, with guests, with listeners. It involves uh, social media so that people know what's going on with the productive woman. 
my work with the productive woman involves different tasks and things related to the productive woman mastermind groups and the one-on-one personalized productivity coaching that I do. And then there's a monthly newsletter that I put out and the tasks that are involved in that, in letting the community know what's going on and just communicating with them uh, how much I appreciate them. So those are the kinds of work I do for the productive woman. What are some of the tools that help me get those done? Some of them are similar to what I use for my legal work. Some of them are very different. Capturing ideas, that's an ongoing process for me. I'm always looking for ideas for topics that I think will be of interest and of value to the community. And uh, I have to capture those when I find them. Uh, Otherwise, I sit down to record and I just stare at the microphone because I've got nothing to say. Uh, There is a lead time in getting this done. So currently, I am capturing my ideas as I get them in a spread in my bullet journal. And so just topic ideas, title ideas, as I think of them, I'll add them to the list, cross them off when I've chosen one and actually am ready to record it. I also use an app called Drafts, which is available for both Mac and iOS for quickly capturing thoughts about a topic to develop later. So sometimes I just have a topic and that's all that comes to my mind or a title that I think could be developed into something. And that just gets added to the list. But if I have a thoughts about something, some ideas I want to make sure that I incorporate into the discussion about a topic, I may open up drafts real quickly and just, you know, dictate into drafts or type real quickly if it's on my computer, my thoughts that I want to develop as part of that episode. I use my calendar all the time to get things done. So uh, Sarah and I have a shared iCal calendar where every Wednesday morning it has an entry for the topic for that week's episode, who the sponsors are, that uh, who the guest is, if there's a guest, and she can see that as well. But I try to plan that out as far ahead as I can uh, while still trying to stay current. And so I mostly, you know, I use the the calendar on my Apple devices. On my computer, I use an app called BusyCal, and I really like it a lot. I just like the look of it. But the uh, the iCal calendar that comes on Mac devices and uh, iOS devices is much better now than it used to be. For my task management for uh, the productive woman, and for my personal stuff, I use OmniFocus, as I've mentioned before. It's a very robust project slash task management kind of app. It's available on all my devices, uh, Apple and iOS, and it's I've got a template for episodes that has all the steps that have to be accomplished to get an episode published. So it's very, and those are all kind of timed out so that they pop up on my list Uh, with enough lead time to get them done in order for that episode to be published on time. OmniFocus is not something at this point that you can collaborate with anybody else on. That's just my personal task management system for the productive woman and for my personal stuff. But uh, Sarah and I together, my assistant and I use Asana uh, as a way of collaborating. And we've got a, a board set up with cards for each episode and 
all the steps that have to be done and who's responsible for them. And it's a really great way to kind of either one of us at any time can look at it and see where are we on episode, you know, whatever that's coming up, we can communicate that way. We do, as far as communicating, we do some communication back and forth in Asana, but uh, most of our communication is going to be through one of two ways. We use Slack as a messaging system. It's asynchronous, as they say. So I can leave a message for her. She can reply whenever she doesn't have to reply immediately. Uh, and that's kind of our way of, of communicating a lot of stuff. We do occasionally have team meetings on Zoom, which is another tool that I use. Zoom is a video conferencing tool that I have used for a number of years for a lot of purposes. So our mastermind groups meet using Zoom, uh, coaching calls are done via Zoom, and then Sarah and I have team meetings periodically uh, using Zoom where we can see each other and communicate that way. And so that's a real helpful tool, something I highly recommend for anybody that's wanting to have that has a team that you want to be able to communicate, you know, if you're not in the same building, uh, video conferencing is a really nice way to keep that relationship up, communicate quickly and, and effectively, uh, because you can get certain things from body language and facial expression that you're just not going to get in an instant message or a text message. I use Google Docs for outlining episodes. Uh, it's just a real, I set it up a long time ago and it just works really well for me. I have templates and whenever I've come up with a topic and I've got an idea or two, I'll have open up a template and create an outline shell for that episode. And whenever I have thoughts about that episode, I'll type them in there real quick. You know, the things that I saved in drafts will get moved into the outline when it's available. Quotes, links, any of those sorts of things go in there. And I like it because I can move things around until I get them in the order I want them to be in. Of course, I use Dropbox for sharing files with Sarah, mastermind members, coaching clients, that sort of thing. Uh, for recording my podcast, for years, I have had the same setup. I use a Mackie mixer. I'll put links to all this in the show notes in case you're interested in starting a podcast. I like all this gear. It's worked very well for me. So I have a Mackie mixer that I use, a Shure SM7B microphone, which I really like. I have used a Roland R05 digital recorder. I have a really good pair of AKG headphones. And then for guest interviews, we use Skype. And so that's my setup that I have used for the last five years. This episode, starting now, I'm doing something different. I got a new piece of gear. It's a Rodecaster Pro. It's just a kind of all-in-one recording studio for podcasters. A bunch of podcasters that I like and respect have recommended it, so I bit the bullet and got this. It's a much more simplified system, and I think I'm going to like it. So hopefully it all works out well. If you're hearing this, it must have. Um, and so that's how I record. I use Libsyn uh, as media host for the podcast. That's where I store the audio files so that when you download it from iTunes, iTunes has grabbed it from Libsyn is how I understand it. It's a great uh, resource with really, they, this company, there are other podcast hosts, uh, services available. I've used Libsyn from the beginning and I 
Uh, I love the company that they have great customer service. They just do a, a great job and I highly recommend them. I use WordPress uh, for the website. I did not develop this website myself. It was designed for me, um, but it is a wordpress.org personal, privately self-hosted site. And I use SiteGround as the background. None of this will mean anything to you unless you're interested in podcasting. And so that's why I'm kind of going through this really fast because I'm throwing it out there. I, I have actually heard from some of you who want to podcast and have asked about what I use. So again, I'll put links to as many of these things as I can in the show notes. And if you have questions, you can follow up with me by email. Uh, for email, I use Apple Mail most of the time. It works really well for me. I like that it's synchronized among all my devices, but I also have a Gmail account because of certain plugins that they have that help me keep track of certain things. Like there's a plugin called Streak, which helps me keep track of where we are in the process with guests and with mastermind groups and that sort of thing. So I really like uh, those plugins. I don't like the Gmail interface that much, but some of those plugins are very helpful to me. Uh, when I do the newsletter, I draft it in an app called Ulysses, which is just a text management type of thing, kind of a simple, doesn't have a lot of uh, fonts or anything like that. It's just a simple place to do drafting. And then I put it into MailChimp. That's where my uh, mailing list lives right now. Uh, we use Canva and Adobe Spark to create the images that you may have seen in the newsletter, in the Facebook group, uh, and the images that are in our show notes. Sarah creates those, and she does a great job. She's much more artistic than I am. Uh, but we, we like both Canva and Adobe Spark, depending on the kinds of images that we're using. And we get our photos from either Unsplash or I bought a stock unlimited three-year subscription. They have lots of images available there. I don't want to ever be accused of stealing somebody's work. And so, you know, going just random places on the internet and copying an image and saving it and using it is a violation of copyright. And I'm not going to do that. And so Unsplash is, has images that you can use that are royalty-free kinds of images uh, that you don't have to pay for. Stock Unlimited is a service that you pay for and you have an unlimited right to download images and use them for your stuff. And uh, the final uh, uh, service or software that I use for getting my productive woman work done is SaneBox. I think I've talked about that. I, I think they might have sponsored some episodes a long time ago, but I had been using them before that. It is a service that works at the kind of up at the server level on your email and it manages it. It learns what emails you think are important and then keeps those in the inbox and moves the less important emails to other folders, like the same newsletter folder or same news folder, things that are kind of not important, but that you might want to look at at some point will get moved into those and you can check on them when you have time. It really helps minimize the inbox overwhelm and I get a lot of emails. So there you go. Uh, I recommend SaneBox. They're not a sponsor now, but I just recommend them. 
What routines help with the podcast work? Well, there are a number of things. Some of the same things I've talked about, the universal ones, definitely batching for podcast episodes. So at any given time, I, you know, I'll schedule time uh, over, usually over a period of a couple of days to outline episodes. And then once I have them outlined, I will batch record. I'll record two or three at a time. That's about the most I can do and, st- and still feel like I'm giving you good quality recording. And so batching that repetitive pieces of doing the podcast episodes is really important to me. I also have checklists for episodes um, that with each of the steps it has to be completed to get an episode done. I've mentioned that before. Um, and I have a checklist for setting up a new mastermind. I have checklists for various kinds of things. I'm a fan of checklists. They help you not have to rethink uh, the process or reinvent the wheel each time you do something. They also help you get other people involved because if you do a good job of creating this, this checklist, you can hand it off to somebody else and they're going to know what to do to help you. And then I also have, I use a tool called social jukebox, which I should have mentioned before to schedule posts in social media for each episode. So those are my things. This has turned into a longer episode than I thought it was going to be. I hope um, you know, hearing kind of some of the tools and the approaches that I use to get my work done uh, will be helpful to you that maybe you've heard something that maybe you can put to use in getting your work done. Again, we'll try to put links to uh, all this stuff in the show notes. So if there was something that kind of caught your interest, uh, you can go to theproductivewoman.com slash 252 to find a link to learn more about whatever that thing is. And of course you can feel free to email me. These are some of the things that work for me that help me get my work done. I'd like to know what you think, what tools and systems help you get your work done. I I'd like to hear from you because I can learn from you as well. You can share, you know, those tools, the things that you recommend or what works for you in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which again, you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 252, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, please feel free to share in there what's working for you, kind of what your work entails, and what are the indispensable tools and routines that help you get your work done. Love to hear from it. Of course, as always, if you would prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Before we go, I want to share just a couple quick words about uh, returning sponsor, University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. If part of getting your work done is continuing your education, as I have to do, I have to do certain amounts of continuing legal education credits each year. Well, the UC Irvine Division of Continuing Education was established in 1962 and has served the lifelong learning and career development needs of individuals, organizations, and the community on a local, regional, and global scale. They provide learning pathways for those who are seeking career advancement or personal enrichment 
through a wide range of educational opportunities, including certificate and specialized studies programs, short courses, and strategic partnerships. And this is no fly-by-night operation. UC Irvine is ranked among the top 50 universities in the United States and ranked seventh among all public universities in the U.S. News and World Report annual college survey. The Division of Continuing Education offers courses and certifications taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to tech, project management, law, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs, both on campus and online, all designed for the working professional like you. 100% online courses offer convenience and flexibility and a truly immersive online classroom experience even opportunities to collaborate with your peers. So UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable, providing you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. And open enrollment means there are no applications to complete. You just log in and sign up. You pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certificate program. You have full control over your academic plan. Well, the fall quarter is coming up. Registration's open now, and they're offering a special benefit to the Productive Woman listeners. If you visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw, and enter TPW as the code for 15% off one course. Again, that's ce.uci.edu slash TPW. And there will be a link to this in the show notes. I know that's a long URL. And if you're driving or something or running, you're not going to be able to remember this, but there's a link in the show notes. Using that link and that code will get you 15% off one course. This offer is valid only till December 31st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. So um, so thanks to them. Uh, Also, don't forget BetterHelp Online Counseling Service. If you'd like a little help working through some issues uh, to help you be more productive and get your work done, the Productive Woman listeners get 10% off your first month by using the discount code TPW. So visit betterhelp.com slash TPW. Fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that's suited to what you want. That's betterhelp.com slash TPW. And thank you so much to BetterHelp and UC Irvine for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I so much appreciate you spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile and that you found something in it that will be helpful to you in getting your work done. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. Go make your life matter.